Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Oh, man. Let me look at you real quick. How many of y'all excited that uh, it is actually colder? And, you know, it, it is officially time. You can wear that sweater now. Uh, some of you have been excited and you wanted to start wearing that sweater at the end of August. Uh, we all thought that was weird. But, uh, but you can now. And so, uh, anyway, um, it's exciting. Before I get into what I want to talk about... I, I do want to address and pray for kind of the conflict going on in the Middle East. And um, it's important for us to, as we're talking, it's important for us to realize that there is a secular worldview and there is a biblical worldview. As a believer, we all come to Christ with a secular worldview. We all come to Christ thinking humanism, thinking me-centered, thinking me first. And we actually, what happens upon salvation is our spirit is made alive, but then there is sanctification and renewing our mind and healing our soul. And that is a process. And we are always learning from a me-first mindset to what does God have to say? God has something to say about marriage. God has something to say about child raising. God has something to say about your finances. God has something to say about government. God has something to say about the way you conduct yourself. Like, so there's a lot that God has to say. That's why you can't come to one service or three services, uh, you know, and, and then feel like you're you like, I got it all. You, you got a portion, and you may be in heaven, but the goal is to get hell out you know what I'm saying and that's the goal and so when we think about the conflict with Israel the reason that the church the reason that we stand with Israel is because God had a covenant listen and is in covenant with Israel well I follow some of what they do and they don't always seem like the most moral people yeah and sometimes we don't either uh, but the beautiful thing about a covenant is that God is committed. And so we want to make sure that, that we understand that the Bible says that those who bless Israel will be blessed. And, and one of the verses that I feel like helps us to understand why we support Israel is Romans eleven seventeen, 17. And, and it says this, But if some of the branches are broken off, meaning... There were some that chose not to believe that were Hebrews and then Israel, Israelites, and they, they chose to, to not believe in Jesus. Okay, look at this. And although a wild olive shoot, that's us. We, we, we have heard about God, and God has begun to do something in our life, and we are grafted among the others. And now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. In other words, God started a covenant. God had a people. God moved those people. And we are in that line. Does that make sense? 
And so the truth of the matter is, for us to have perspective, we are grafted into the old, so we honor. And so we pray, and we believe. So, so how do you pray over this? Because obviously you got people on both sides that are, are dying. you got uh, kids on both sides. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is, when we are posting and when we are praying for Israel, the truth is I'm, I'm praying for, for Palestine too. I'm praying that people would change. I'm praying that God would move. I'm, I'm, and and, and I'm, let me just say this. Uh, I'm not just praying for a pseudo peace. Okay? I, I'm praying for a change. I'm praying for God to move and do something in people's lives that is deeper than just... Uh, a little bit of peace. I'm actually praying that, come on, that thy will be done, come on, on earth as it is in heaven, and that God would move over the situation. So let's spend a couple minutes and let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the covenants that you make with us. Father, we know in the Old Testament and the New, there are five covenants that you've made with um, your people. And Father, we honor that. Even though sometimes we don't understand uh, decisions and leadership and what they're doing, Father, we honor you and we look to you and we know that you are the perfecter of our faith. And so give them wisdom, give them insight, be with people and uh, be the peace that does pass all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you good? Okay. The reason I wanted to talk about it is because our secular society will try to be, I mean, they have something to say about marriage. They have something to say about men. They have something to say about women. They have something to say about kids. They have something to say about everything. Just because people are passionate doesn't mean they're right. Just because they're loud, just, Just because you're louder doesn't mean you're righter. I know that's not a word. I just did it. Felt like it was the right thing. That's, you know, I'm always teaching my kids. Like, they're really passionate about it. And I'm like, volume doesn't mean you're right. Volume doesn't mean you're right. Bring it down. And so we have a world that thinks if they can get into hysterica, in hysteria, that they can somehow win the argument. You're not winning the argument because... I don't have a choice. This is what God said. I'm going to do what God said. I'm actually submitting my own flesh because there are things I don't understand, but I'm submitting it to what God says because ultimately he's the authority in my life. And that's where the church, come on, has to stay. I want to jump right into what I want to talk about. We're in a kind of, a, I guess, I said it was a three-part. It might be four-part. I, I wanted to get to a certain part of Scripture, but really I got stuck in two verses. So I don't know how long we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, uh, but I, I, I promise you we'll be done before the rapture. Uh, <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 15 says this. For you were called to freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Come on. Say it like Mel Gibson. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> like you, you are called to freedom. Freedom. But there's a lot of people that aren't free. Brothers, only do not use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love the Lord, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
15, look at this. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. We're talking about seven fundamentals that you need to know in Galatians 5 that I think will move you toward freedom. So if you missed the first th- If you missed last week, we covered the first three. I'm going to give you the next two, and then we'll see how far we get. But here's the fourth one. We're going to jump right into it. You've got to know where you stand before God. You've got to know where you stand before God. Well, how can anybody know that? The Bible says that we can know. And here's the problem is we have a lot of people victimized by God by, by feelings but not God's word and so they've made these assumptions in their mind but yet they haven't read the word so they don't know I'm going to tell you a terrible story you're all going to judge me and then you, we're going to talk about forgiveness so when I <laughs> both of me and my sister were adopted uh, okay and so uh, she, she actually cost more money than I did. Uh, I was from a foster home, so I got like, my parents got like a deal. And, uh, and I, it's cool, I have freedom, I've, I've gone through all that, it's good. Uh, but my sister, most of the time reminds me that she cost quite a bit more than I did. Uh, like, <laughs> I was the cheap child. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, uh, one of the ways that I got her back is I came through the 80s. And uh, in the 80s, it was so cool. We were moving from a phone with a cord to a cordless phone. Come on, where are my people at? Come on, y'all remember. And uh, it was life-changing. You felt so cool. And so it had a button, and it was called a, a pager. And when you would hit the pager, the phone would ring. Okay? And so, y- y'all remember? Come on, y'all, like some of y'all are like, you're right there. And so anyway, this one particular time, I'm very young. She's very young. Uh, she is annoying me, and, I, and my parents put me in charge, <laughs> and uh, I, I took that role. And so I was like, I'm in charge. You need to clean my room, blah, 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 blah. She's like, no, I, you know what I'm saying? And, we, and my mom worked many jobs, so uh, it was, um, uh, we were home a lot and uh, by ourselves and I was the adult even though I was like seven uh, uh, okay so so this one particular time she is really annoying me and we had just gotten this new cordless device and so I hit the phone the pager the phone would ring and she was run I want to get it you know there's like I want to get it and so I answered it hello <laughs> uh, uh what? No. What? And she's like, who is it? Who is it? Is it for me? We had nobody ever calling for us. Uh, and I was like, it's the adoption agency. <laughs> They're coming back to pick you up. She's like, no, Stevie, no. And I'm like, we got to get all of our chores done. I'll try to talk to them. <laughs> this is why they make counselors if you're a counselor in the room we thank you for what you do this worked like three times the, ter- the third time she was like tell him to come 
my point is, some of you can't get even to the point because you're judging me. I'm going to talk to your parents about your upbringing. Um, uh, the point is that I could manipulate her because of what she didn't know. You will be manipulated by the enemy by what you don't know. You don't read the Bible for Christian homework. You read the Bible so that you can get it in you so that it can begin to reframe the context of how you think. And if you're thinking more like Fox News or more like CNN or more like talk radio or more like sports or more like whatever, then I am not saying that you don't know a lot. I'm just saying that you don't know what matters. And you, and you cannot build your life on, I think you should be informed. The Bible says discern the times. That you need to read Revelations. You need to know how it figures out. You don't need to like not want to read the the back of the book because you're scared on how it will turn out. The Bible says we don't have a spirit of fear. But the truth of the matter is you've got to reform and reframe. Come on, your mind. And if you're not doing that work, then you actually can be a believer for a long time and have things you don't believe. You've got to know where you stand before the Lord. And so here is the concept is that you have to know in your relationship with God, you have been forgiven. And you will continue to be forgiven as you begin to repent and start a long-term relationship with God. Like I said, I was adopted from a foster home when I was young and, and I grew up in a broken home and, and uh, I'm, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I just uh, realized our family was very broken very broken and one of the things that I identified in my adult life was that there was attempt at love but there was never any real forgiveness because people had hurt my mom and my dad and they had carried these things even though they had thought they had let them go you know you can say the right thing but not believe it and you can deceive yourself that you think you, because you're saying the right thing, you actually believe it. But it's deeper. And so here's this concept, is love without forgiveness will never heal relationships. So is there a, do you believe that you cannot connect with the Father because of all the sin and shame and things that you've done? See, Love is super important, but love without forgiveness will turn into manipulation and control. Now, let's just talk about marriage real quick, just because that's an easy one. You can love them, but if you don't forgive them, there will be no connection. Love keeps you involved, but forgiveness takes away the guilt and shame. And you will never have a thriving relationship with the Lord if there is always guilt and shame in your approach to Him. It releases, when you forgive people, come on, listen, it releases what people owe you. Now, obviously, there are, all relationships have different dynamics. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not speaking in vast generalities. I'm, I'm taking a 50,000-foot view, okay? And so you have to set boundaries and make hard calls. I get all that. But my point is that love and forgiveness work in tandem. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from, everybody say it, all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we come to Christ, absolutely, we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life. We recognize that we need a Savior and cannot save ourselves. And instantly our spirit is alive. But this is the tension in church because people come to church, but they don't realize that, that your spirit has to come alive. Your soul has to be healed and your body has to be disciplined. And if you miss these three components, you'll be frustrated in the Christian faith because you thought that awakened moment would do it all. There is a spirit, there is a soul, and there is a body. Everybody, everybody get me? The spirit is alive. The soul needs sanctification. And the body needs discipline. And we'll talk about the flesh probably next week. Okay? So let's talk about this. Before accepting Christ, we all were lost in sin with no spiritual freedom. We were full of shame and rage and anger and lust and all types of evil. Okay? We were trapped in generational cycles, destructive habit patterns. But once you confess and believe, there should be a shift. A shift of our focus and our desire. There should be receptivity to three things. You will need three things to develop your relationship with God. And so you can always tell the people who are hungry for God... The people are here because of a tradition and the people that are made to come to church. Now, the Holy Spirit can move in each of your lives, but it is my hope that as you move forward that you realize there will be three things that you will need in your life. You will need ministry. You will need the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life to begin to break things off, to begin to shift perspectives, to begin to heal things that happened in your soul. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions, things that impacted you. Every time you walked into the house, your dad gave you a dirty look. Every time you didn't understand, you thought he hated you, but he was just trying to pay the bills. And he had an abusive father. He was not abusive, but he was not close. He did not connect with you. He just went out, paid the bills, did the thing, and you felt like... Like he was always too busy for you and he never loved you so that marked you does it make sense and so now over here I am a Christian I am full of life but my soul is jacked up and it has been marked and I have emotions I have traumas I have sins I have things I've opened the doors to different thoughts I've begun to do some things here in my soul and we are doing a lot of soul work on Sunday we will always offer to offer offer and an opportunity to see people come to Jesus but the church is set to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and we are doing soul work when you come come on come up to the table get your fork get your napkin get, come up to the table because we're doing soul work 
That's the process. You will need ministry, you will need discipleship, and you will need discipline. If you don't have all three, you will not thrive in your Christian life. You need ministry, people to pray with you, have an encounter. You need discipleship. You need someone to break it down for you. You need someone, and and listen, not everybody can disciple you. Can I just say that? Just because people externally look happy doesn't mean that they are healthy. Someone needs to write that down. You need to look at fruit in their life. You need to see what's working in their life. You don't need to listen to the words that they say. You need to listen to the product they produce. Don't ever let someone disciple you that you can't see the fruit in their life. Okay? Ministry, discipleship. And everything needs to be discipled. How you read the Bible, the understanding, how to pray. What to believe for, how to have faith. You need to be discipled. When you go through a hard moment, you need to be discipled. Hey, you know, listen, we don't quit. We rise up, go to the Lord. You need, you need discipleship. And then, and then third, listen, you need some discipline. Like, 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 you can't keep bringing bondage into your life. You got, if you're always tempted when you drive past that place, you're going to have to pick a new route. <laughs> Stop asking God to move that route and you <laughs> go the other way. You're always tempted when you pass that girl's office. <laughs> Don't go past her office. Come on, does this make sense? Understanding forgiveness sets up sanctification. And there are areas of your life, listen, when you come to church, when you go to a life group, when you sit before the Lord, when you begin to read, when you're in time with Him, He is doing three things. He's revealing, He's healing, and He's sealing. And this is why the church is so confused. Because we, there are things that are not sealed. Even in church, we don't know where we stand on the life issue. Even in church, we don't know. We, we can't boldly say to men, you're a man. We, I sit down, I sit, because we're not sealed. We have, we have women who are growing up in the church that vacillate and there are some things not sealed in them. I'm okay if you're a woman and you want to have a career, but I'm also okay if you're a woman and you want to stay at home and work at your family. But if you're not sealed, then you're like, I need the culture to validate me. So I've got to do what they do. And I'm just saying, like, you got to be sealed in some things. And so that means that you've got to, it's got to be revealed. Then you've got to heal the desire to please people, please culture, please your mom, please your dad. You've got to have some healing. And then it's got to be sealed like I'm good. That's why we go over concepts over and over and over again because nobody gets it the first time. God didn't call you to condemn you, but to free you. Your relationship with God starts from a position of grace. We all have opened doors in our heart and our soul to evil. Listen, evil. Unknowingly, we have knowingly allowed the enemy to tempt us, deceive us, and entangle us in areas of sin, unrighteousness, and, listen, unforgiveness. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. This is Paul talking. This sounds like Shakespeare, so I'm going to break it down. And you forgive, and I forgive, and we forgive. Okay, listen. I also forgive. What I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. In other words, 
well, who you've forgiven, I've had to forgive because it's easy for me because I love you and I want to pick up your offense. And so I've had to continue to forgive because it's better for all of us if I walk in the presence of Jesus. You don't get to pick up your friend's offense. You can show support and love and care for them, but if you take their burden, you're moving toward bondage. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Look at this. Look at this. And we do this so that we may not be outwitted by who would say it? Outwitted by who? For we are not arrogant of his designs. In other words, the, the, the enemy is trying to tempt you. The enemy is trying to entice you to get into that argument, get in that thing, do that, be in that, get in that. Oh, and then, and then all of a sudden, you've been outwitted. You're not smarter than the enemy. You have authority over him, but you're not smarter than him. Like he's been studying humanity for a really long time. I'm not scared of him. I know who has the authority. But you, you need to know when you get into conversations that all of this is happening and I'm feeling these emotions and I'm going over here. Are you being outwitted like right now? Look at this. The enemy doesn't want unity. The enemy wants division. The enemy doesn't want pe- believers to grow. He doesn't want churches to grow. He doesn't want people to be discipled. The enemy wants to steal what God has healed. Now listen to this. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What do you think he's trying to steal? He ain't after your car. The enemy is not after your business. He's not after your home. He's not after your 401k. What is what is the enemy after? He is after every revelation that the Lord has deposited into your heart that would start growth, and he wants to uproot that growth so that you don't ultimately transform and then begin to help other people. When you, when you come to church, you're not listening to content. You're letting seeds get in, and those seeds will grow after a while. And I'm, I'm honest, like if you find a good church, you should, it should, there should be some things that Oh, I don't know about that. Let me think about that. Let me think about that. I'm not interested in your opinion. Go get the word. I'm fine if you outword me. But don't look on Pinterest. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm, I'm going to be laughing. Come on. Forgiveness, being forgiven and cleansed are two different ministries. One is the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus died so that he would reconcile us to God. The other is breaking bondages. And that's ministry through the Holy Spirit, and that is a process in sanctification. So, so this is where wrong thoughts are revealed, healed, and sealed. There are places in your heart where you have allowed the enemy to gain a foothold. In your life, those footholds turn to strongholds. In our soul, will, mind, and emotion, we can be held, listen, oppressed down because of sin, because we don't believe that we're forgiven, because we haven't forgiven somebody else in our life. And so here's what happens is, I'm gonna show you how this happens. What happens is we get offended Something happens to us and, and it was wrong and you have a right to be frustrated. 
Does that make sense? And so what happens is we make vows. We make vows because of hurt, rejection, abandonment, misunderstanding. And those vows, vows are inner conversations. They're external statements of authority where you have taken the control. Listen to what I'm saying. It's a vow. It's a conversation that flows out of your heart and it sounds good at first. It sounds, absolutely, I'm never going to. And that sounds good. And everybody cheers for you. And you make that post and they're like, say it, boy. Get it, girl. Yeah. But even without us knowing, it is a, it is a man-made promise that we have put ourselves in the position to, turn, to determine the outcome. It is humanism. We have to be very careful that in a moment of confusion, pain, that we don't make inner vows that hold back total freedom. We've got to remember that we bring all of our pain to the Lord. And he is the one. And when we are weak, when we are hurt, when we are, in bond, when we are being attacked, we go to him. And he is the one. Does that make sense? Okay. So vows, what are those? Let's, let's th- I'm never going to treat people like that. I'm never going to be divorced. I'm, 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 I'm never going to overcome this issue. I'm never going to act like that. To be honest, I made a lot of these when I was a teenager. There were seasons of my life when my dad would say, hey, I'm going to come pick you up. And I would be waiting and ready. And he wouldn't come. And after about two or three seasons of that, I remember walking outside. Never going to be like you. I'm never going to treat my kids this way. No. So easy. And, and, it, and because we're in a world that wants to applaud any type of communication, that we're actually applauding not going to God. And the truth of the matter is, here's the thing that I had to learn. I'm going to be exactly like that unless I humble myself and I go to God and I say, God, I cannot do this. This has been my model. This has been my, what I've seen. This man, this woman have, has been my, my, my picture of authority and what they have will be transferred to me. And the only way that I am going to change is by not condemning them and throwing a stone at them, but I'm going to posture myself because I need you to heal me. Come on. That means we repent. Well, if I was in that position, well, if I had that money, well, if I had. And here's the deal. You never will. Confess all that to the Lord. God, I cannot do it in my own. I don't want to do it by myself. I need your presence in my life. You are faithful. And when I bring it into the light, you clean it up. When I bring it into the light, come on, somebody, he cleans it up. You have to turn those pain into prayer. You have to turn those vows into moments where you come to God and say, God, here is something real and painful. And instead of me making a vow, I'm making an ask. God, I ask you to move in my life and I cancel every vow that I have put where I am the ultimate authority. Here's the second thing. Are you with me? Good? Are we good? Okay, 
Forgiveness. The second thing that you've got to know, we're talking about where you stand, okay? Forgiveness. The second thing is access. You have access to the presence of the Lord. You not only have been forgiven, but you've been adopted into God's family. And this may be weird terminology for you, um, but, but actually God uses it a lot. We actually have it when you walk in, I want to know the Father. When, when Jesus began to frame up this conversation that he is the Father. And then when you get saved and come into the family, look at me. We are sons and daughters. We are brothers and sisters. There is this family context, come on, and you have to know that you have access under a new covenant. Isn't it fun to, to be led into special places where you have a password or a code or a this, and, 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 and you can, you know, you feel like you have some sort of uh, privilege or, or you're, you're special. You know, my family, all my kids have my number, and there are times that I'm meeting and in meetings. And when they call me, <laughs> I, it's not like I don't answer. I answer every time. Now, I will say, hey, just to let you know, I'm in a meeting. Hey, I'm with someone's in the car. Hey, I'm doing this. Are you okay? And then they'll either tell me, hey, yeah, no, I'm not okay. I just had a flat tire. I had a wreck. I had this. I had that. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, no, it's no big deal. I didn't know you were in a meeting. I'll call you back. The point is, they know they have access to me. And listen, they are never a burden. They are never a burden. You are never a burden to the Lord. And, and, and we've got to make sure that we understand that you can come in to a moment in conversation with God because you have access to the Father. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 and 22. Look at this. Therefore, brothers, family context, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way covenant, he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, everybody say, draw near, with true hearts, a full assurance of faith. Assurance of faith. So we will only draw near when we have assurance with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here is what I want you to say. Most people deal with this concept. Well, I just, I'm too busy. To have time with God. I'm just too busy to read my Bible. I know I need some more discipline. I know, I know I need to, but I would suggest to you that as a parent, um, not every time have I done this well, but there have been occasions that the kids are having a conflict and it's not about the thing, it's about something deeper. Parents in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Like we're having a conflict and people are saying it's about this, but really it's about this. Marriages, come on. We're, we're, we're frustrated about this, but we ain't really frustrated about the vacuum. We're fr frustrated about the ungratefulness in the home, and so it's deeper. Okay, okay, stay with me. When we don't make time for the Lord, it is really because of two reasons. We don't have the assurance and faith or we have some compromise in our life that we believe that we can't enter in. And so there's something we don't believe or there's something we're not practicing and that's why we don't enter. And I don't care who you are, you don't have to be, get your doctorate in, in 
you know, in the study of humanity to know that when you feel like there's been an offense against someone, people generally step back. Because now I don't know what you think about me and I think what you think about me has changed. So now I'm going to step back because I... And I am telling you that you cannot live a productive Christian life that is totally free if you are always stepping back. You have to step forward. Paul said, you're called to freedom. Like, you're called to this. I want to bring you in to this idea. Brothers and sisters, because of the new covenant, you can boldly come into the presence of God because it's not based on your work. It's based on Jesus' finished work on the cross. Come on. Y'all give him a hand. Come on. Jesus was the fulfillment of the covenant. You can come in with all your junk. You don't have to clean it all up before you walk in. Time with Jesus will change the addiction. Time with Jesus will help you forgive. Time with Jesus will heal your anger. Time with Jesus. God's not expecting you to get it all done and come. He's saying, yo, come. Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34. I don't have time to get into this. I just want to read this. This first part, 31, behold, the days are coming. This is the Old Testament. This was the last covenant. This was the foreshadow of setting up the new covenant, declares the Lord. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And in 33, he specifically says what the new covenant's going to be. I will put my law within their heart. I will write on the tablets of their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. These four things will happen. And that's why Jesus Move from we don't have to be led by the law because the Holy Spirit will be in you and it should be written on your heart. Does this make sense? Okay. Listen. For them, they tried to pass down knowledge of the stories of God. And Paul is saying, look, look, sure, he's not saying that teaching will go away. He is saying the impartation is now going to be different. It's going to be in you. Here's the fifth one. Here, here's here's the, the next one. So the first one was what? what? What point have we been talking about? First one is where do you? Okay, come on. You can talk. Uh, first one is where do you? Where do you stand in your relationship with God? Where do you stand? Okay? You've got to know where you stand before the Lord. Here's the fifth. How you approach others is an indication of your freedom. This is Paul. I I didn't write this, so don't send me an email. Paul uses this portion of Scripture to inform them how you approach others is an indication of what's going on in you. You're called to freedom. You don't have to live in bondage and brokenness and addictions and, 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 and carry this weight. But you have to know that you're called. That means that there's an assignment on your life and you can have confidence in the Lord and you don't have to be shaken by everything that you see on social media or the news channel. You can break, come on, generational cycles. You can overcome hard seasons. You can resist the enemy, the Bible says, and he will what? Flee from you. You are not alone, abandoned, or orphaned. The other day I was (laughs) driving my truck and uh, I was on my way coming to the church and this thing started jerking. Uh, it, it started running really heavy. It started misfiring. Uh, the engine light started blinking. Like, and 
And uh, I was just a couple miles from uh, the dealership, so I just called them and said, I'm coming in hot. <laughs> uh, I hope I make it. And uh, I brought it in, and they began to check it over. And I had this huge valve thing in the engine that came off. Don't ask me what it was, because I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I can tell you about Jesus. Um, uh, <laughs> this other day, we, my family and I, we're, we're playing pickleball, and, and I'm terrible. Uh, but but uh, I'm, I'm getting better. And so uh, this family... Uh, stalled out their car and they were pushing it and I pulled down the window and I said hey uh, you okay and they were like oh I, I said do you need any help and they were like yes do you know anything about cars I said no pray for your car I can give you a ride uh, and so this vow was off on my truck and they were like, man, you, you did good bringing it in because if you drive it a long time with this vow off and what, you know, it would have been really damaged your engine. And I was like, man, I got it at the same day, favor. Uh, but, but here's the deal. God has indicators that go off. And Paul is trying to tell the church, are you aware of the indicators or are you pushing them down? Do you think that the, the, the issues going on in your life right now are everybody else's pressure on you? Or do you feel like there's indicators going off that God is saying, hey, yo, I got something for you. And what two indicators did he say? First is you know you're not walking in freedom if you bite and devour. Look at this. We don't want to pick up the spirit of the devourer because 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to, say it, devour. In your family, is everybody, well, I can just see so clearly what everybody isn't. That's wonderful. We're so glad it. you're actually the devourer in your own family. And you're going to have to self-regulate a little bit because you're biting and devouring confidence, connection, calling of God on their own life. You hear what I'm saying? Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Listen to me, marriage. Listen to me, kids. Let me, don't send your kids into their room and have them pout for five hours. All you're doing is breeding the wrong thought. They hated you way more now because you gave them time to think about it. You hear me? Do not make room for the who. Don't make room. Don't make room. As a believer, we're not trying to end people. We're not trying to uncover people. We're not trying to, come on, listen, destroy people. Sure, courageous conversations, accountability in the context of love and relationship is biblical and in order. But you'll never be totally free if you're devouring everybody. And here are the three people that in church that I see devour people the most. I'm not gonna call your name. Um, <laughs> okay, the first is broken Christians. They interpret things wrong because they're rejected 
they're defensive and they're angry and it's okay we got a lot of grace because we used to be that too the second thing is Christians that are in a season of worldliness longer than they need to be like you've adopted this social gospel thing and you're absent of any conviction and you misapply the grace of God to continue in your own sin and here's the deal you're bringing compromise into other people's life can I just challenge you dads we gotta come up moms we gotta come up friends we gotta come up we, we never want to be the person that downplays everything. Oh, that's no big deal. That's no big deal. That's no, like people are, are, God is moving in their life and God is revealing and healing and sealing some things. Don't put it out. Here's the third one. Religious Christians. They make everything a big deal. They tend to be legalistic which means there is a deep conviction that our acceptance with God is based on strict guidelines and a desperation to be right. They want holiness to be the number one topic of the church. And I'm just telling you, we as a body are going to have to ride that tension. Jesus makes me holy. Yes, I don't want to sin. Yes, I'm being purified in Christ. And I'm on, on a road of sanctification. No, I don't want to watch Game of Thrones with my 11-year-old. I actually shouldn't be watching it anyway. And I appreciate that you have the remote in your hand. But one day, your kids are going to have the remote, and they're not going to fast forward. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Get mad at me. I love you. Okay? Got real heavy. Okay? Look at me. The devourer. And here's the last one. And then I'm going to end. Because you guys have been playing a long time. I appreciate it. I love you. I just feel like when you talk to people, if you just have a band behind you, it would just be like, just kind of slow jamming. How are you? I'm glad you came to church. All right, here's the second thing is you're consumed you're consumed we don't want to be in bondage and we don't want to be consumed by anything other than Jesus and Paul is saying that if you're not careful you'll get consumed about things that aren't him sure we manage people in problems but Paul is showing the indicators of bondage how consumed are you in this conversation? How consumed are you by this personality? How consumed are you by the changing roles in your office? How consumed? And I am telling you that, that, that you don't have to be consumed. And that is an indicator. Are you consumed with this conversation you're about to have? Are you consumed with where your kids were last night? Are you consumed? I'm, I'm not talking about leadership. I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Where it's like, like it's over. It's too much. allow your relationship with the Father to be hindered. So, Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the House website. We hope you have a great week.